Well, good morning. My name is Marissa, as Pastor Russ said. Um, I know I know a lot of you, but if you don't know me, um, my family and I moved here February of last year from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, my dad's job transferred us here, and so in about April of last year, we came and we visited New Life for the first time. And it was right off the bat, Pastor Russ came up to us and was like, hey, you know, who are you guys? Me and my younger brother, Shane. Um, and Russ just automatically took us in as a part of this church family without even knowing us or our story or anything. And he just brought us right in. And so we're just really thankful for that blessing that he's given to us and our family. Um, and this lead program was a huge thing that kind of brought me and Shane into the church and just got really, really involved. Um, Russ actually told us about it with the first semester of last year. And so whenever we got involved, um, the heart of lead is, you know, we don't just show up with these super awesome t-shirts that you guys are going to see all over today. Um, we don't just, you know, show up and just do things. You know, we come early. We, we do it because we want to serve God. And Russ has taught us with all of the values and the different lessons and how he's been mentoring and pouring into us, him and Cody. And they've just given us so much. So can we just give it up for Russ and Cody real quick just for this program? Um, you guys are going to see some really awesome stuff this morning. We've already seen Sarah up here dancing, and she did amazing. And you saw Ashton and Jason up here giving their testimonies. Um, I've actually gotten to know Ashton and Jason a little bit over the past couple of months. They're really good friends with my little brother. Um, and it's amazing how much I've seen God do in them since we've been at this church. And I truly believe that that's because of the influence that the members of this church and our pastors and our leaders have brought into it to help us reach for God just like that. Um, so this morning, it was kind of funny that Jason shared a verse in Job, because I'm actually going to be in the book of Job. Um, so if you want to pull out your Bibles real quick, um, it's Job chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and then 6 through 12. It says, and the, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God, and he shunned evil. He had seven sons, three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. So basically, this guy is loaded, okay? He's got a full, full, um, tons and tons of animals, huge family. And so basically, God has totally blessed this man. We can go on to the next page. It says, one day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. So here we find ourselves in an encounter with God and with Satan. Says the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you for the chance that you've given us students just to come up and just to show your love and to shine your light, God. I pray that you would just bless the rest of this morning and that you would bless this word, God, and that it would be your words and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have ever woken up and just had one of those days where everything seems to go wrong? You wake up and your hair is messy, um, maybe your dog peed on the carpet or something like that. I know that I've had plenty of days like that at 18, um, so I'm sure that some of you had as well. Um, I want to tell you a story. Um, about two and a half or three years ago, I was in Haiti for the summer. I was an internship down there. And um, they have these little fruits called kneps. They kind of look like peeled grapes, and they're really good. But you have to climb the trees in order to get to the kneps. And so me, being this little, like, 15-year-old white girl, goes and tries to climb the tree to get the kneps, like I had seen all of the Haitian people doing, and um, I fell off the tree and I ripped my pants. 
And so that was one of the moments that I was like, all right, God, why'd you let me rip my fans in front of all of these people? So that was a definite why me moment for me. Um, I know that I've probably given my mother several why me moments, <laughs> um, whether it was like drawing on the walls with crayon or anything like that. I'm sure some of you parents can relate to that in here. Um, but sometimes the why me isn't always going to be light and funny. It's not going to be about spilling coffee on your shirt or, you know, running a red light and getting a ticket or ripping your pants falling off of a tree. Um, sometimes the why me could be for us students where we feel so insecure and so put down by this world that we just go and we lock ourselves in our room and we just hide because we're so ashamed of it. And sometimes the why me could be for parents who feel like they're trying their hardest to raise their kids this way and things aren't going the right way and they think, God, why me? Um, and sometimes it could be about losing someone that you love and asking God, why me? Why them? Why would you take them? Um, so I wonder if there is anybody else in this room who's been there. I know that I've been in several of those circumstances. Um, the man that we just read about, um, Job, actually asked God the same question over and over and over again. God will soon allow Satan to attack Job, as we saw from the conversation, but God is not going to punish Job for his sin. So basically... Satan comes in and is like, okay, if I can put everything onto this man, Job, I can make him curse your name. And God's like, okay, do whatever you want, take whatever you want out of your little bag of tricks and throw them at Job and see if he curses my name. And so Satan is basically rejecting God's view of Job's character. And he's saying that Job has a selfish motive and it's the only reason why Job loves you is because God's given him everything. And so that's the way that Satan was kind of taunting and almost daring God. And so God says... You know what? Stretch out your hand and strike everything that he has, and he will surely curse your face is what Satan says to God. And God's like, all right, go ahead. Let's try it. And so one question that we can ask this morning is that does Job really only love God for selfish reasons? Sometimes we can find ourselves in that situation. Do we only love God for selfish reasons? You know, maybe you've got really good finances, a great family, good kids, and everything's going perfectly, and we're like, oh, God, you're amazing. And then everything falls apart, and you're like, all right, God, where are you? And I think that's a really relative, um, relevant question for this morning. So Satan begins to throw everything at Job left and right. He takes away all of his family, all of his animals, and all of his servants, and just wipes everything from him. But the crazy thing is, is that even after doing that, and even taking Job's health, Job still responds to God by worshiping. It says in Job 1, verse 20 through 22, that he got down on his knees and he worshipped God. I don't know about you, but if Satan took away my family and my friends, I would not just start worshipping. I'd be throwing a tantrum like a toddler in a grocery store. Um, and so in all of this, Job did not, sin with his, did not sin with his lips, not once. And I think that's a really, really amazing thing. Um, the first point today is that it is okay to ask questions. It's understood that we as humans ask a lot of questions. You know, if you're sitting in math class and you don't understand something, then you raise your hand. And the teachers always say the only stupid question is the one not asked, right? We've all heard that saying. Well, it kind of goes that way with God as well. Because God is open to our questions and he wants to hear them. And he, in fact, he encourages our questions. Job asks why numerous times and not once does God get angry with him for doing so. And so sometimes we might think, all right, we're asking too many questions. But Job wasn't the only one in the Bible to ask why. King David 
wrestled with his questions too. He was a hero and he was a warrior. And in Psalm 13, he said, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And even Jesus asked about suffering whenever he was wrestling with the internal agony before his crucifixion. So I think that if those two amazing men in the Bible and people that we can look up to can ask questions, then it's okay for us to ask questions too. And so here's a question that I would like to ask you. Are you going to let the questions that you have for God drive you away from him or towards him? I'm going to say that again. Are you going to let your questions drive you away from God or towards him? I was with Russ um, a couple months ago, and I was, you know, just filling him in on some things that was going on in my life, and he asked me that same question, and I was like, man, that's a smack in the face. (laughs) So I can even relate to that. Um, And I think the wonderful thing is that just knowing that maybe not all of our questions are going to be answered right now because there's not enough answers on this side of eternity to know everything, you know? And so the wonderful thing and the beauty of that is that we can just understand that Jesus is our source of truth. And so even if our questions aren't answered, he is the truth and he is the way and he is the life. The second point is that God can use bad circumstances to accomplish good things. So I know that whenever I found out that I was leaving Missouri in the middle of my junior year of high school and I was moving to Georgia, I was not happy. (laughs) I saw it as my world was coming to an end. I was like, Mom, you're ruining my life. How many of you have heard that one before? And so... That was really hard for me whenever I came here. Um, It kind of put me at an all-time low, not only in my personality and my self-esteem, but in my walk with Christ. I didn't really understand why God was taking us here, you know, because I had a really, really um, awesome group of girls with a Bible study and a really good school, really good friends, and it was just, I mean, I thought it was like the perfect life. But now here I am, and I see all of those things that I had in my old short church and more. And I can see through Pastor Russ and through Pastor Allen and through Cody and through all of the leaders that have poured into me and just given me the spirit of this, comp- I mean, I would not have gotten up on this platform at my old church to try and speak like this. <laughs> and so that is God in himself. And so the thing with this story is that blessings aren't necessarily related to the sin in our lives. And so Job, you know, as he says, was a blameless and he was an upright man. And so God does not punish us for, his, for our sins although sometimes he can let us experience the result of them. Because even though God is all-knowing and he is all-powerful and he has our lives written out on a piece of paper and he knows exactly where we're going and what we're going to do, we still have the gift of free will. And God gives us the chance to make mistakes and to make those mistakes and just understand what kind of things can come from them. And our third point today is that choosing to trust even when it hurts may not change your pain, but it can change your perspective. That's a question that, <laughs> yeah, that one, that one hits. Um, we have to learn to trust the only being in all of creation that remains in control above all evil and all suffering. So choosing to trust, even when it hurts, may not change your pain, but it can change your perspective. So what we need to do today is we need to place our lives in the hands of the one who can protect us and who can save us and can, who, heal, who can heal us. Because we might run towards things that we think can heal us, but the only healer is God. No matter what we think, no matter what we feel. And the thing that I love is that nothing about our circumstances can change the nature of God. 
Hebrews 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's say that all together. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's so good. Let's say it one more time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Even whenever everything in our world seems to change and seems to shift, God remains the same. Even whenever you get a flat tire on the way to work and you're late and you spill coffee and you get a ticket, God still remains the same. And this hits home for me in a really, really unique way. Um, I want to get really real and really transparent with you guys for just a second, if that's okay. Um, whenever we lived back in Missouri, um, we moved there whenever I was four. So I've, been, I've lived in three different states. Um, but obviously I don't remember the first state because I was only four whenever we moved. But whenever we moved to Missouri, the first church that we went to um, was called Destiny Church. And we went there from whenever I was about five until about 11. And so we became really involved with the church, and it was our church family. And there was one family in particular that we got really, um, I wouldn't say that we were super, super close to them, but the family was like leaders within the, within the kids' ministry and within the church. And so everybody knew who they were, and they knew the family, and they knew, you know, everything that they did. The wife, um, it's the Coleman family. You might have heard about it on the news. Um, it was really big back in Missouri. I don't really know how far it reached out. But um, Sherry Coleman was actually, she was like an actress and did dramas and things like you saw Sarah do and like what you're going to see later on in the service. And she was always a part of the service, and she was kind of like a leader and a leader and a mentor to me and some of the other younger girls within that church. Um, and she had two sons, Gavin and Garrett. Um, Gavin was my age at the time, and Garrett was Shane, my little brother's age. Um, so on May 5th of 2009, um, they were killed in their home um, in Illinois, which is about 30 minutes from our old church. It was like right between Missouri and Illinois. And um, it sounds bad, you know, hearing that the wife and the two kids were killed, um, but it gets even worse whenever you realize that it was the husband who did it. And so this man that we had seen at church, he was a bodyguard. He was the head bodyguard for Joyce Meyer. Do you all know who Joyce Meyer is? He was the head bodyguard for Joyce Meyer Ministries, and he had sent threat emails from his computer and just all of these things to the family until he ended up just losing it and just taking the life of his kids and his wife. And so that was something for me. I mean, if it was, let's see, it's 2016, so it was seven years ago. I was 11 years old whenever this happened, and I didn't understand, you know? I see on the news, I, get, I can remember exactly the moment that my mom told me. I got home off the bus, I was in fifth grade, and she looked at me, and you could tell that she had been crying, and she pulled me into the living room, and she explained to me and my little brother what had happened. Um, it was kind of hard for Shane because he didn't really understand. He was still six or seven at that time. Um, and so he didn't really understand at all what was going on. But for me, I knew enough of what had happened to like, know that it hit me. So even at 11 years old, whenever this family was taken, I was like, God, why them? Why would you let Chris take the life of his wife and his two kids? Why would you take that family and it was something that I struggled with for a really, really long time. Um, I began to struggle with unforgiveness, and I held that in my heart. And something that Pastor Russ said a couple months ago in a message that was amazing, um, he said that unforgiveness is a poison, but it's not a poison for the person who's holding the unforgiveness. I'm sorry, it is a poison for the person who's holding the unforgiveness, but the person who is being like, held the grudge against doesn't even know what's going on. 
So I can sit here and be so angry with Chris, who was in prison and didn't even know that I existed and wouldn't even know, and it would only hurt me. And so that was just a huge thing that I struggled with as a young girl growing up. And the same trip, whenever I ripped my pants in Haiti, um, one of the ladies came up to me whenever we were worshiping on the roof one night, and she was like, Marissa, I feel like you're struggling with unforgiveness. And I was like, how do you know that? God, is that you? And so she just began to take me, and she prayed for me, and she was like, I just, I, I can feel it. And she knew the family, too, so whenever I kind of explained why I was struggling with it, she was able to relate to it, uh, relate to it a little bit more because she knew the family and she knew the circumstance as well. Um, but even after all of that that happened to me and to my family, I mean, it was hard for me, and I can't even imagine, you know, for Sherry's family or for the boys' friends or how that worked with them. So even in that, God was able to take that unforgiveness out of my heart, and he was able to heal me. And now I can have the courage to stand up and talk about it as a story of healing and to use their legacy for good instead of just sitting here and saying, oh, my goodness, why would that happen? So at the end of the book of Job, um, God restores everything, and he gives him back more. Um, He gives him Many kids back, a ton of animals, more servants, and he just totally blesses and multiplies God, or multiplies everything in Job's life after taking everything away. And so sometimes we as humans seem to think that we're sitting around and we're waiting on God, and we're wondering, God, why aren't you here? Why can't I hear you? Why can't I feel your presence? But the truth is that sometimes God is waiting on us, and there's something that we're holding in between him and us so that he cannot restore us. And the Bible says that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. I know that's a really popular phrase. I see it on, like, mugs all the time at, like, Walmart and places. Um, That God worked his greatest of triumphs through what appeared to be his greatest loss. I mean, we've all been to church. Obviously, we're all here right now. We're all familiar with the story of the uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And that was God's greatest triumph. But from what our eyes and from other people, they would see it as the greatest loss. But through God giving his son and putting him on that cross for our sins and for our transgressions, he is able to reach millions and millions and millions and millions of people because of that. And so sometimes what we see might not be what really is. And so if we wake up one morning and we find out that we lost a family member or we lost a friend and we think that the world is coming to an end, there's something that God is going to do through that pain. And he's going to, I mean, it's still going to hurt. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that just because God is there, it's not going to hurt because it will. I've dealt with that firsthand. But the beauty of it all is that he sent his only son to die on us for the cross. And by doing that, he saved all of us. Without that gift, I mean, if I didn't have Jesus, I don't know if I would be here right now. I don't know if I would be able to be up here talking without Jesus Christ. And one thing that I really love, I love watching Pastor Allen whenever he gets up here after worship, and you can just see it. You can see God in him, and you can just see it whenever, you know, if he, like, steps and just, you, you know, I just, I love it, because in my old church, it wasn't, it wasn't authentic like that. You know, it was the pastor would come up, and it would, he would pray, but he wouldn't get up there and worship with us or sing with us and just, like, do that with us. So that's been a really, really huge blessing to see. And the thing that I love is that our creator entered this world to suffer with us. Everybody say with us. He is able to heal and walk 
with us. God didn't send some perfect angel who just sat away and didn't do anything on earth. He sent somebody who walked through the pain and dealt with the heartbreak and everything that we deal with nowadays so that he can relate to us and so that he can heal and so that he can restore us. And the beauty of it all is that the cross stands strong no matter what pain we're dealing with. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter what we think, whether we think our world is going to come to an end or, Mom, you're ruining my life, the cross stands strong no matter what the pain is. God is waiting for us with open arms. And so this morning, I know I'm challenging myself because, I mean, I still need, I'm working on doing devotionals, I'm working on all of these things. But the thing that I want to challenge with you guys this morning is that all we have to do is dive into his love and start running towards him. And if we get up and we start running towards him and we run for him, then he's going to run right back at us with open arms. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. God, we're here today in your presence. We're just all in awe of everything that you've done for us and everything that you're going to do. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have every Sunday to get together in this house with our church family, God. And I thank you for the worship team and for the pastors and for the staff on this church, God. And I pray that you would just bless them abundantly. God, you see them. You see them as servants. You see them as the hands and feet of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would just bless this morning, God, that you would bless the rest of this service. And that you would just help us open up and be able to run at you with open arms. In Jesus' name, amen.